podcast for anyone interested in RC airplanes. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC... Sorry about that. I was trying to get this up out of the way because it likes to rub on my shoulder. It bugs me. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Oh, it's been a few weeks since we've actually had a chance to sit down yeah, like this a while. and, uh, and uh, record. We uh, we had the wives episode. Which was fun. It was. <laughs> yes, it was. It was a lot of fun. I had to learn how to bleep because of them. Body <laughs> um, mouths. <laughs> I failed to tell them we keep it clean here. Don't uh, yeah. uh, don't cuss. And uh, yeah, it, it took me a little while to learn how to do that. But now, if anybody drops a word like that, I can I can take care of it pretty easily. Yes. Uh, but I won't have to again because no. we don't talk like they do. We keep it clean here. We are very yes, very respectful. <laughs> and then we had the Reggie episode. <laughs> we had Reggie. That was a and lot of fun. That too. was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed having Reggie on the show. Learned a few more things about him yeah, than yeah. Uh, than we Walmart knew before. Parking lots. Walmart, Who knew? Twice. Twice. Twice in yeah. Walmart parking lot. So yeah. well, thanks, Reggie. <laughs> we have more material now. <laughs> oh, we need to get him back on so we can keep talking yeah. about it. I'm ashamed to admit I actually enjoyed listening to the to the wives episode. Why are you ashamed to admit? Well, it? I I honestly. Um, I thought our listeners would would find it interesting, but I had no idea how our listeners would respond to it. And they responded in a big way. Mm -hmm. Like the most downloads in the first 24 hours of any of our other episodes. Yeah, we had we had good numbers <laughs> on that one. So, so they kudos were, to them. They did a great job. And yeah, thanks it, to your editing, you made them sound <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Uh, they did a good job. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a lot of fun, but it, it does feel, feel good to get back to it. Just, uh, just being you and me. Yep. Um, so we also want to bring up a, uh, a listener survey. Uh, if you are a member of our email list, you would have found out about probably about three weeks ago now, yep. uh, that we have a listener survey on the website. Um, like I said, we sent it out to our email list subscribers and, and got, a lot of feedback already. Uh, but for those of you that are not subscribers to the email list, we have put a listener survey on our website, uh, and we want your feedback. We want to know what we're doing good, what we're doing bad, yep. topics you want us to cover, anything like that. Yep. Um, don't be shy. Be honest. Uh, being Yeah, keep it constructive if you can. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't be mean, but be yeah, honest. Right. Uh, actually, be mean if you want. It, yeah, if it's you it's want okay. To. I mean, we don't have to read it, I guess. <laughs> I'll read it. Oh, okay. I'll still read it, and I'll take it to heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because we want we want to be better for you. So yeah, help us help you. I like that. Yeah, yeah, help us help you. So we know. I can't take credit for that. It's from a movie, I think. No, but either way, well, I don't watch yeah, movies help, often. Help so. us help you. Uh, put it on the on the survey and answer it as honestly as you feel comfortable. Yeah, that's that's so. perfect. That way, like I said, we know what we're doing and we can we can better ourselves. So yeah, be honest. Go over to the RC Plane Lab website, rcplanelab.com. At the top there's a little button or whatever you call those things that Radio says button. No, it's no. a like a link? tab link. The link. There you go. Okay. Um there's a tab that says listener survey. Click on that, fill it out, it'll come straight to us. Um I'm also gonna put a, a link in the show notes so you can just click directly on there. Uh but we would greatly appreciate that. Yep. Um, and so we're always open for, for ideas. If you guys have um, ideas for stuff you want to hear us talk about, put it on that survey. There's a place there to put it. So we'll see it if yeah. you put it on there. Perfect. What else do you want to talk about? Uh, well, we could uh, <laughs> we could talk about uh, Clarence Lee. Yeah. I was a little upset by that, to be honest. Yeah. So for everyone listening, Ron and I had made a deal. Uh, if I didn't uh, order my Clarence Lee engine by the end of the year, I was going to owe Ron an airplane a day or a week or whatever it was. I forget. It doesn't matter because yeah. that, has, that ship to, has sailed. I did. I, I had my, uh, like I mentioned before, I had my debit card in my hand. I was ready to order and, uh, you know, Clarence Lee's not doing them anymore. Not because he can't. He's still alive and with us. Uh, he just can't get the parts from uh, from KMB anymore to do the engines. So, And that is sad. It is sad. I mean, that is... Like, so frustrating. That's another thing that we don't have access to. Right. For the hobby. 
There are so many of these tools, so many of these these things that you can't find anymore. And, you know, we've talked about it before, and that really is bothersome to me. Yeah, it is. Uh, Like you said, there's been so many many great ideas and great products that have come and gone over the years. And I get it. I mean, we're a pretty small hobby, uh, pretty small market. I get it. It's hard to, it's hard to, you know, go on making something when it doesn't make money anymore, but gosh darn, some of these things are, are like Clarence Lee engines, you know, they're so cool, uh, and worth the wait to get, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. and I unfortunately waited too long. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, but yeah. It's Such okay. is life, and we move on. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, uh, it just makes them that that much more special when I see one from time to time. You know, it'd be like, oh, if I hadn't uh, waited, you know, I if you hadn't dilly dallied, and I did, I absolutely did. It's all on me. <laughs> but the nice thing is, I don't own yeah. any airplanes, so that's good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll concede. Loopholes. I'll concede. Right. I mean, it. Right. it we did. talked about it on the red. We episode. did, and I did say, you know, that the deal was if you had one ordered, which you don't. That's true, but it was not for lack of trying. I don't remember reading that in the fine print. <laughs> I don't remember reading in the fine print that it says successfully ordering either. Oh, that's assumed. Oh, is it? Of course. Oh. Well, okay. So, yeah, you can expect your first ream of paper uh, to make your paper airplanes one a day, probably on January 1st. So I'm going to hold out for it. Happy New Year. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, the Clarence Lee. Unfortunately, I waited too long, and uh, now they are no longer available, uh, new anyway, from Clarence Lee. Yeah. So, so. We, we, won't, uh, we won't be bringing that up again. That has, uh, that ship has sailed, like I said, and, and we're past Clarence Lee. So, sorry to hear it, but uh, such is life. Yep, yep. Which uh, you know brings us to the to the next topic. Um, we were talking about the wives episode, and something happened during the recording <laughs> of that episode. I forgot about that. Yeah. So as we were sitting down and and getting them set and ready to record, um, we've talked before that we keep it cold in our wait, house. Wait, wait, wait. Who keeps it cold? I keep it okay. cold. Well, my wife doesn't argue too much. <laughs> Although, think... do you notice it's a little warmer in here now? No, I didn't notice. I've still got my blanket, and I'm wrapped up, and I'm cold. I turned it up two degrees. Two whole degrees? Two whole degrees. So what's it on now? 64? 69. 69. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) I did that because I was actually cold. Go figure, right? Well, you did shave most of the beard off. Yes, I had to get rid of all of that because I I did go back to work this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm back to work. I can't <laughs> say I'm happy about it. I can't say I'm sad about it. It's just... Uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. It's, it's next. So anyway, yeah, so, up so for back the, to send yeah. them up for their episode. I thought one of my microphones was going bad yes. because we were getting them set, doing mic checks and all that, and there was this ticking in the background. It was really annoying. And I knew we we could not record that way because nobody would want to listen to it. Yeah. So I'm, you know, switching out cables, trying to play with things, switching out microphones, trying to figure out what it was. And then I'm like, okay, stop. Take a look back. What is different than last time? Something has changed. Figure out what it is. And so I'm looking around and and my wife, Crystal, is sitting there (laughs) in my chair wrapped up in a heating blanket. Yeah, an electric blanket. Because it's so cold down here. His own wife was wrapped up in a blanket. <laughs> Anywho, um, <laughs> so I was like, hold on a second. I unplugged it. It went away. So you don't realize the amount of electrical noise that there is around. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we're really relying on a strong link between our airplane and the receiver, there are so many things that can interfere with that. Sure. And that is what that you scares can't see. Or you can't hear, you can't hear, or you can't feel. Right. You know, you, you can't tell that it's right. around. That's the stuff that kind of scares me. Yeah, because you're constantly surrounded by it. Yeah, and you don't know what's going right. on. So yeah. I found Which that interesting. Which is a testament to how good our modern day radios are. They, can, they can ignore a lot of that stuff, stuff out. out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, crazy. I, I mean, and, you know, another example is, you know, uh, we were recording the, the sound bite of my Sato 90 Three cylinder for the tool of the week jingle, mm-hmm. and uh, same, which which you guys will hear at the yeah, end of yeah. this episode. New this episode, yeah. Um, we'll but anyway, that that's up. the sound of my engine when you hear the engine running in the background. Um, but I have an onboard glow of you know three cylinder Sullivan um, 
onboard glow system for it. And it makes noise that your microphone picked up as you were trying to record it. Yeah. So we had to uh, run it with that off. Yeah. So again, there's noise everywhere. Yeah. And once again, that's that kind of goes back to that uh, engine I was running on the Telemaster, that first one. Noise coming from that, from the ignition, I'm pretty sure, you well, know, I'm still fairly I certain that's what so. it was, Yeah, is what caused us to have problems with that first engine. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Telemaster. I don't want to talk about the Telemaster. So you told everybody, what was, you need to, you need to talk about this because you're the one that doomed <laughs> the telemaster well okay it's not crashed no let's, no, no. let's, let's start off with that it's it's not doomed it's <clears> nothing <throat> like that um i may have prematurely <laughs> called it finished uh i was so sure of myself and you were confident i was so sure of myself it. that we even entitled the episode you did the telemaster yeah, is, is finished, finished. Yep. the telemaster is not finished um so we took it out. We we made it out to the field a couple we weeks ago, yep. which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and we'll talk about that too. Yeah. Our trip to the field. So it was pretty cool. We got it set up and I was going to fly it. It was ready to go. Did you fly it at all? No. Oh, you no. didn't do anything? Okay. Nope. So we, we ran it here, like almost, a, not that day, but beforehand. Right. Before I called mm-hmm. it finished. Yep. We hadn't flown it yet, but we ran it. It ran great we very, through about a, a full tank of gas. Yeah. We were very confident here at your house that it ran an entire tank of fuel uh, without a hiccup or needing tuning or anything. It was ready to go. So Yeah, it was great. So, I mean, it was yeah. it worked well. Um, so that's why I called it, because I figured everything was done. That was mm-hmm. the most success we had. Mm-hmm. However... We got to the field and it would not run. I mean, it would start. Yeah, it, it was so weird. We we got it, it fired right up. It idled, and then uh, it, you know the first few transitions to wide open seemed like it was okay. And we even took it off the table, mm-hmm. set it down on the on the essentially our runway to get ready, and just nothing but fits as soon as we sat it down. Yeah, um, just would not transition, and then it got to the point where it just wouldn't even idle. You know, I am. I am so embarrassed, really, to even talk <laughs> about this. Not that I called it done, but the fact that we can't figure this out. This is well. This doesn't say a lot for us. No, and I mean, yeah, really, no. It, you're you're right, and and I'm embarrassed as well, uh, because I, I've I've had issues with engines before, and I, but I've always been able to figure them out or uh, have somebody come over and and. Like in the, you know, in the case when we were at the field and Dave came over and helped me with it and he went through the same sort of checklist that I went through and Mm -hmm. came to the same conclusion. Oh, it's probably the carburetor. Well, folks, we put a new carburetor on it. Um, (laughs) We did. And I I put a quality carburetor. I bought, I bought a carburetor. It's an actual Walbro carburetor. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, we put it on right before we started recording here. Yeah, tonight. And. And not um, only that, but this is the the better part. You brought another ignition out, so I we did. Could, so well, we could take it so, off, or so we could switch it out just in case. Yeah, yeah. Because you thought maybe it was an ignition problem, which makes sense. Right. So we got the motor taken off. We got the. Uh, I mean, like I really feel like a NASCAR crew now because <laughs> literally <laughs> between the two of us, off, yeah. we can get the motor off. We can get to the ignition off. Yeah. We can get uh, the gas tank, uh, the gas tank out. Yeah. All within probably two minutes. Oh, yeah. We can have absolutely. that thing stripped. So between the two of us, yeah. It is. I mean, we have it yeah, down like it is, we gotta, Yeah, we're good at that. It's a skill <laughs> I, hope for, I hope that we will, like, lose eventually. Yeah, we'll forget the, because we'll the muscle memory. Because we'll have got it figured out, and it'll just fly, and we'll never have to do any of that again. So I'm hoping that we forget how to do that. But, yeah, we've gotten pretty proficient at taking the front end of that thing apart. <laughs> yeah, so we switched the, uh, the, uh, the ignition out. You brought another one out, like I said. Yeah. And we weren't getting any spark with that one. So after we pulled everything out and put this new ignition in, and then, because this is just the way this plane does things, we were looking at it, and you could tell down at the very tip where the, uh, the what is it, the boot goes over the... Uh, the cap. The cap goes over the spark plug. Mm-hmm. The metal piece that was down there is gone. Yeah. So the only thing that the, the end of that spark plug was touching was a piece of plastic. And we right. know... That's not going to... That's an insulator, so that's right. not going to do anything. So we had to tear it apart, put the uh, or the, the original ignition back in, yeah. and then uh, it didn't run. Yeah, I'm, I'm still convinced that, uh, that it's the ignition. So oddly enough, I came downstairs and looked at... Well, we went through three different ignitions, like looking at them to see if they would work. None of them are set up the same way. Yeah. I mean, like the, either the the pickup is wrong, the uh, the pickup has been connected to the motor to where you can't get it off, the wiring is different, the whole setup is different, and it's just weird that you'd think something like that would be more standardized. 
Yeah, you would think so, but you know, everybody wants to do something different. You know, like the the Zenoa that's on your um, edge there yeah. uh, would be perfect for this because it's the same size. It probably has the same timing profiles, all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, because of the because of the the pickup sensor is wired hardwired essentially with no connector to the ignition, we can't can't use that one mm-hmm. unless we pull the engine off and put that on the telemaster. Well, that might be the next step. We'll see. I mean, I don't want to, but it might be. Fortunately, the Chinese, you know, ignitions are are not terribly expensive. So apparently I need one now anyway. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because you don't have a spare. I guess, yeah. Well, the spare is, yeah, in op. Yeah. So, yeah. So the next thing I think we'll we'll try a a four cell, a 4.8 volt battery with that ignition. Because I did read somewhere that um, that particular ignition from... uh, DLE. Excuse me, from DLE was prone to like if he used voltages above like a four cell pack, they would do weird things. Um, really? and if you think about it, I think it has something. I'm not an electronics guy, but on things that are designed to run on different voltages, um, if you run some, let's say, for instance, this ignition is designed to, uh, on the box, it says from 4.8 to 8.4, that's a pretty wide voltage range really when you mm-hmm. think about it um so if you operate that ignition on say 8.4 volts what does it do with all that extra voltage well like i said i'm not an electronics guy i don't understand the schematics of it because i've never like taken the time to learn it but from what i've read a higher voltage pack will discharge faster because it's designed to run at this lower voltage and it does something weird with all the extra voltage so usually it's I mean, like I said, not always. I don't know how it's done, but usually they have just uh, voltage regulators in there that right. just produces heat. It just burns off that extra voltage and, oh. and makes it or turns it into heat. Okay. Well, anyway, some some byproduct of that extra voltage does something weird with this particular ignition. I I read that in a few different places. So, well, we do have a battery if charging can, now. Yeah, if a we four can cell. try it with a four cell, and if we have success, then yay, yay. And I think we should know pretty quick. Yeah, I would think so. Because we'll run a yeah. Because I mean, with, even it. with this carburetor, it will fire right up. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and pop off for a few RP, you know, revolutions, and then just just die. Like a good half second of running. Yeah. And it'll do that with every with almost every flip. Yeah. So I don't think that's a carburetor issue. I mean, eventually, if it was a carburetor issue, it would either run out of fuel because the needles are wrong or whatever, or it would run the uh, chamber out of fuel or whatever, and then you would get no firing at all. Well, it fires every flip, and it'll do that for. I mean, I got tired of flipping it. So, yeah, there was several times that yeah. I did it. So, I mean, 10 times in a that row. That tells me there's something wonky. Yes, I said wonky with the ignition. And nobody wants a wonky ignition. No. But hopefully. Not good for flying. No. But hopefully that'll do it and we'll be able to call it next week. Boy, I hope so. <laughs> I'm tired of, I'm tired of uh, being embarrassed by this thing. Yeah, I almost didn't even want to bring it up again. <laughs> but I figure we owe it to be honest, you know. Well, and you did call it. I did. Yes, I did call it. Yep. Thanks so for thanks for calling me out on fault. that. Yep. So that's the telemaster update. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more to to say about it other than I'm a complete engine uh, tuning failure. I mean, normally I don't agree with you on things, but this time you you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Thanks. All right, so you want to talk about the Duelist? Yeah, so the Duelist Project. Duelist uh, We've started, well, no. You've started. I have started. Yes. Um, Tom is uh, delayed due to me. Well, not necessarily you. I mean, like, even if I had parts in my hot little hand, I don't think I would be... Technically, because Lori and I took a little bit of a vacation there. Oh, I forgot so about that. Did we you have fun with that? Uh, you dude, made a was, knife, didn't you? I did. It was yeah. very cool. What? What? How did that go? Was that your first time forging something? I know I asked like four questions. You haven't answered any of them um, yet. Yeah. But... So well, that's okay. I'm used to it. Lori does that to me too. <laughs> uh, so no, I went, yeah, we went to uh, Mackinac Island. Uh, if anybody's familiar with that, uh, it's an island in, uh, in uh, near the UP, Upper Peninsula of, Mich- of Michigan. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's beautiful up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, one of the activities you can do while you're there is they have a uh, uh, a place called uh, Forge a Memory there. And I went there and you actually assist in the making of a knife. And they forge it. You know, they do all the heating, you know, safety. 
don't yeah. want anybody getting burnt. But yeah, they uh, I made a knife from a railroad spike. They took a railroad spike and heated it up, and I smashed it flat, and they helped me form it into a knife. It's pretty cool experience. Now that's isn't there a special name for those? I think so, but I can't uh, I can't place my finger on on what it's called. Okay. But yeah, there is there is some kind of name for a knife that's made out of a railroad spike. But yeah, that that was pretty cool. And I, so, yeah. she sent she sent us a picture of you <laughs> yeah. doing it. She has video of it too, and it's kind of embarrassing. Oh, why didn't we get that? Because I told her not to send it to you. Well, why? Because it's embarrassing. She, why? Because I look like an idiot. <laughs> well, that's not embarrassing to me. <laughs> no, but she sent us a picture on our on our group text between yeah. the four of us and stuff, and then. All of a sudden, you just type, really, Lori? Yeah. And it's like, what? why not? Because I look like an idiot. Oh, you look fine. Well, so to put it in perspective, I have this ugly face shield on and, you know, I have these weird looking chaps that they make, or yeah, I guess they're chaps that they make you wear, you know, so you don't get any uh, cinders or whatever on you. And then I have this very small looking hammer in my hand. <laughs> But by the time she takes the picture, this thing weigh like feels like it weighs about eighty pounds by that point because you're you know you're swinging this thing constantly to to hammer out this metal, and by the time she takes a picture, I'm all worn out and sweaty and just yeah. I don't remember it looking that bad. I thought uh, it was pretty good. Well, thanks, but I would rather her not have sent you that picture because I can imagine where that picture may end up someday. So now he's looking. <laughs> no, at I'm it, sorry. Now, now I'm looking laughing. at it and I see it. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> you look. <laughs> I guess I didn't pay that much attention. That's awesome. Right. I think we ought to put that up on oh, the on the comes. on the website. Is that what you're saying? You don't want to No, them? I you know what? It's fine. If people want to laugh at me, that's if you want to put it on there, fine. I'm not putting it on the website. I'm just gonna say that. So if it shows up on the website, know that I did not put it there. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, so I, I will go ahead. I'll go ahead and put that on there under the uh, about <laughs> me under the about me uh pictures for Tom. Have I you know, I'm I'm trying to remember. I finally did send you a picture of me to put on the website. Yeah, right? you did. Okay. So right. I so do have one on there, but the picture. Hopefully. I'll have a second one. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. Wow, we got off topic or topic. I'm well, sorry. Well, yeah, we were talking about the duelist. So the duelist. Um, and I said that uh, I'm not necessarily delayed because of you. I'm delayed because of me. I took a vacation and. Had I been home and had parts, then yes, maybe, but I wasn't home, so it's okay. Well, I okay, so on, on mine, right. I, I was able to uh, uh, get some parts cut, and I've been, I have started on the wing. So we're going we're gonna to start a little section on the website. Uh, I'll probably call it Duelist or something like that, uh, just another tab on the top. I will throw my pictures up there. Um, now, kind of as we go through, it's, I, I don't know if I want to call it a build log, but it might be a build log. We'll kind of see how it goes. I don't know yet. Um, but long story short, so I got my wing started. Um, I was able to use my little laser cutter to cut the ribs. Which is really freaking cool. It is, but my goodness, it's so slow. Yeah, but it's cool. It is cool. And the um, parts, I mean, I know you didn't like the, the how the parts turned out because you thought they were at a weird angle or whatever. I, I looked at them and I thought they looked great. Well, if you think they look great, then I'm, I'm fine. Really, I, I mean, a little bit of sanding is, is way easier than punching something out of out of a die cut sheet and then cleaning up those edges or cutting the parts by hand. I mean, yeah, I wasn't going to cut them by hand. They, yeah, they look fantastic. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. For what for for what you used to cut those with? And I'm smiling because it's it's really cool, but it's also really sketchy. Uh Well, it's not sketchy. I mean, it's actually so it's what It's kind of sketchy. It's it's a laser kit that I bought. I don't remember. Have we talked about this before? I don't, I don't remember if we so. talked about this before. So long story short, after I bought my, or built my CNC machine, I bought a cheap, I think it's two and a half watt uh, diode laser. And it's ran just by a, like a 12 volt power supply or something like that. So there, it's, it's not a very powerful laser at all. And it's a, a diode laser. And a diode laser are made out of the little like laser diodes that they put into uh, like CD burners. Oh, okay. So it's the same basic principle kind of the laser as that. Um, and so it was a kit that came with power supply, came with like the schematic. Um, I don't remember what else it had in it. And I had to solder it together. Now, <laughs> this is where it looks sketchy, even though it's really not. I don't solder very well. <laughs> I should say I didn't solder very well at that time. I've gotten much better now. So the PCB that it's on looks pretty... Uh, Sketchy. Sketchy. Sure. I'll give that to you. <laughs> Thanks. 
<laughs> but it's actually, I mean, it's a good little design. It can, um, like I said, I, I've used it to cut paper before, to engrave on wood. And then all of a sudden, like it's probably been a month ago, I was like, I wonder, because balsa is so light, there's really not much to it. I wonder if I can right. get through it. I figured if I couldn't actually get through the balsa, I could at least mark it and then use that as a way to uh, to cut it out myself. You know what I mean? Just kind of use that to print on the balsa. Yep. But anyway, so after I, I figured, unfortunately, it's like I said, it's very slow. It takes five passes at, uh, I think I was cutting at 20 inches a minute. So each piece of, uh, of balsa that I was cutting the ribs out of took like an hour and 45 minutes. However, I really don't care. Because I walk away. Yeah, you can set it to do its thing, and you can walk away and go work on other projects, like running engines or whatever. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're not going to go nitro. No, I'm not. But anyway, so I, I got that done, and I, I started to put it together. And I tell you what, I've I've built one wing before, you know, on the Cavalier. Right. And this time, I did the holes and stuff with the laser so that everything would line up and be able to use this wing jig. Oh, my goodness. I am a big fan of that. Cool, right? It makes it so much easier putting this together because you don't have to worry about lining anything up. And you can flip it around to whatever, or what, uh, whatever angle you want it at, and everything just lines up great and goes together well. So I have i don't think I'll ever build a wing any other different way than that. Yeah. Unless you can tell me a better way than that. But, but I mean, there there's no better. I mean, it's, it's whatever method you like using. Me, I like building right on top of plans. That's just old, I guess, you know. I remember yeah. when the when the first wing jigs first came out, and I thought they were neat, but I was already kind of set in my ways the way I build when those came out. So it was like learning a new technique. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, and people are resistant to change. You know, so. Um, but no, I it, I've seen your work and it looks fantastic. It's uh <clears throat> like I said, it's easy to keep everything lined up. Yeah. that's the part I really like about it. So I'll be able to get some sheeting on and mm. get them or get the wing pretty much finished yeah. here, hopefully. And the thing I noticed right, right away is how straight it is. I mean, like, the thing is straight. <laughs> and that's thanks to that jig. I mean, yeah. there's no room to mess it up. And the other right. thing, too, that I liked about that is when, obviously, you told me on those plans, you know, one wing is, what was it, a quarter inch shorter or something like that? Oh, right. Or one it, side of the a, wing. Yeah, there was a mistake on the plan. You, uh, I just measured the same side, you know, and, and then flipped it. So that way yep. that everything is lined up yeah. the, the correct matches, way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it, it goes together so easy. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine building it any other way. Yeah, I remember when I when I when I came downstairs it was a couple of weeks ago and saw your progress, I was like, Holy smokes, that looks like a wing already. <laughs> yeah, which unfortunately since then I have not done anything. Well, I mean, you know, stuff happens. But, it does. Um, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully you're in the next week I'll make some progress and try to so, catch up with you. So the plan when I knew you were going out of town. <laughs> I'll tell on myself. It's okay. So the plan was for me to cut the ribs for you so that when you came out tonight, you'd have them to take home with you. Well, I woke up Thursday morning, and I apparently had hurt myself during the night because my foot was so sore I could not even walk. So I spent the last weekend before I went back to work all four days pretty much laid out on the couch. You had a sleep injury. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> But apparently, uh, I'm special and I can do that. Hmm. So eh, you're just getting older. That's, that's <laughs> yes, I am. Um, so that's what prevented me. I'm sorry from oh, getting a, your your okay. stuff cut and done. Uh, but I do have it programmed. I did get it all programmed out. I just haven't made it to the shop to cut it. Cool. Um, but I'll try and get that done. But I did want to mention soon. that uh, your sketchy laser setup has, even though it took time and a lot of passes, apparently. It made it through eighth inch balsa. Like, I mean, it looks, it really does look great. And for what you have invested in that, 60 bucks I, for the I laser. I cannot, I mean, I'm just so impressed. Yeah. I really am. Like, when you, when you first showed me the rib, I think it was a picture and I said, wow, that looks like it's laser cut. Yeah. And then, you know, you were stringing it along and then finally you admitted that, yeah, you had assembled this laser. I was like, no way. And then, yeah, I came down here and I saw your wing assembled. I'm like, that's, that's incredible to me yeah. that you produced that on $60. Well, okay. Well, for the laser. For the laser. Yeah, yeah. you already had the router table. I got it. That's, that was another investment. I got it. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, yeah, you, but yeah you, for, for an attachment for 60 yeah. bucks, it well, did a you, good job. 
I don't want to say repurposed, but you added another capability to an already cool machine that you built yourself. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I mean, so. honestly, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but yeah. I love doing things yeah. like that. Um, I did notice, you know, I told you it took five passes and it got through right. the balsa and stuff. That was in one package of balsa that I bought, and I've never really paid attention. So some of the sheets were hard mm-hmm. and some of the sheets were soft. Right. Um, so I, I want to talk in this episode a little bit about the different types of balsa. Yes. Different types of wood that you would use in different parts of the airplane. Okay. Because I'm not 100% sure how you figure all that out. Sure. But when I was cutting it, I noticed like on the the thinner, lighter type, not thinner, but the lighter balsa Mm -hmm. that you could flex more. Right. It would cut through that almost perfectly five passes. With the other stuff, five Mm -hmm. passes would not go all the way through. You could still run a knife through it and cut it when you were finished. Um, but what's the, what's the difference and why is that one pack of balsa would have different, uh, I, I guess densities maybe yeah. of balsa? No, you, you're right on density. Is that um, what it is? Yeah. So without getting into the specifics of how the balsa tree grows and how, you know, different cuts are done according to the rays and the, you know, tangent to the rings or whatever, balsa is basically graded in three different grades, A, B, and C, and they go up in density. Essentially. So grade A balsa is going to be a really light, uh, fluffy, if you will, soft, uh, conforms better around curves than B or C, which progressively get harder. So A is what I was cutting and having a a lot of luck with. Right. Okay. And A generally is just easier to work with. Uh, It sands faster. It's easier to use uh, for like wing tips, things like that, where you have to do a lot of sanding or shaping, like with a plane or, uh, like a hand plane. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not an airplane. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to shape things with an airplane. Would... It, it took me a minute to figure out what right. you meant. So, <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, the A grade balls is, is softer. And then the B grade, which I think pretty much is like the majority of most balsa is going to kind of fall into that B range where it's got a little bit of A and a little bit of the hard C grain uh, qualities kind of mixed together and uh, not as flexible, a little bit heavier per, say, square foot uh, because it's just denser. The the grain is, you know, more tightly packed. Per board foot. Exactly. Thank you. Um, and then the C grain is going to be your hardest of balsa and it's very dense, very hard and still very light, but you know, compared to most other woods, but for balsa, it's it's the heaviest per board foot. And then, like with the heaviest, does that have anything to do with how strong it is too then? Is it going to be more... It's going to be more resistant to flexing and things like that. It's going to be more stiff, so it'll, it'll provide a little more structural rigidity, whereas the A-grain, the softer stuff, will provide more shape than so if, structure. So when, if, when you're doing that, then... First off, when you buy it, does it say A, B, and C grade? Because well, that's this... just it. It's it's not it's not standardized, really. Okay. Um, some of your some of your balsa supply places, like I can't think of the names of them off the top of my head, but um, some places will offer for sale balsa by grade, so you can buy A grade or B grade or C grade. Um, A grade is which is this has always kind of confused me why this is the way it is, but A grade balsa is usually the most expensive. And, uh, I guess I can see that. Yeah, and then and then C grade is usually the least expensive. Um, I would want to work with uh, the A grade as much as I can for what I was doing. So sure. I can um, understand that. Well, for 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 wing ribs, I I would prefer something a little harder because oh, really? I don't I don't need them to flex. I don't need them to conform. I want them to be stiff but yet lightweight also. So for ribs, things like that, uh, formers even, uh, I will go to a B, maybe a C grade. Um, but for things like wing tips or, you know, um, if you're going to make a cowl out of balsa, I would choose the A grade and then, you know, protect it either with some sort of uh, filler or, you know, maybe fiberglass it if it's going to be like a wing leading edge, you know, prone to dinging on the door on the way, dragging it out of my basement or whatever. It's, you know, protect it because it is so soft. Yeah. The A grade is. Hmm. Okay. Um, so you want your stuff cut out of B grade then? 
reinforcing. Most, yeah, B grade is fine for, right. for if you're going to cut my wing ribs. Yeah, make yeah. it make it B grade or C grade if if your laser will cut it. It'll it'll engrave it for sure. So you might be doing the rest of the cutting with a knife, but it will uh, it'll give you a line to go. It'll off give me of. a line to go by. Well, that's fine. I mean, that, it's something. It's better than no lines at all. That is true. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I'll I'll let you pick your your sheets out and give them to me. Oh, okay, like whichever right. ones you want to use first. Okay. Um, so anyway. Back to the uh, types. the types of balsa, okay. uh, or types of wood in general. So we use yeah. balsa, and I use balsa for everything, for the spars, for, for all that on there. Yeah, on the um, plans for this airplane, that's how it was constructed. Yeah, originally. and that's what it said to do. But with other airplanes, what else can you use, what else would you use, and why? Well, yeah, there's there's several different types of wood. I mean, there's balsa, obviously, which we, you know, we just talked about. There's, uh, there's light ply, there's... Uh, aircraft ply, there's basswood, there's uh, uh, birch. Um, there, there's lots of different types of wood, and they all kind of have their pros and cons uh, and their place uh, on the airplane. Um, balsa, obviously, is the, the majority of the wood that we're going to be working with mm-hmm. uh, for our airplanes. Otherwise, they wouldn't be called balsa airplanes. Ah, that's true. <laughs> um, but light ply is is uh, stiffer than balsa, still very light, um, but light ply is usually three layers of wood laminated together, so it's a plywood, but it's it's lighter in its uh, in its grading than say aircraft ply, which is heavier, denser, more layers, uh, stronger, less resistant to crushing, things like that. So light ply is usually used for things like uh, fuselage formers, um, maybe firewalls on on electric airplanes, maybe um, things like. You know, wing saddle uh, reinforcements, uh, reinforcements of like uh, on a wing rib where you're mounting retracts, you know, sometimes a doubler for that rib will be made out of light ply. Um, yeah. Because it's pretty stiff. It's stronger than balsa, um, but it's still pretty light. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas aircraft ply, it's very, very strong. It's very, very dense. Uh, that's going to be used for things like uh, landing gear blocks, uh, fusel, or I'm sorry, firewalls. Um, wing bolt blocks are made out of, uh, of that a lot of times. Um, so you're going to use aircraft ply usually where you want a lot more strength and resistant to crushing. Uh, light ply can be crushed pretty easily. Like if you use it as a firewall and you mount a firewall or a, a, mount, a motor mount to it, mm-hmm. usually it will leave an imprint of the mount when you tighten it down, whereas aircraft ply will be resistant to that sort of thing. So with aircraft ply then... What's the difference? I mean, like, what makes it different than light ply? Is it the actual wood it's made of, or is it the way it's constructed? No, usually it's both. Uh, So, like, aircraft light, or I'm sorry, light ply is usually made of of lighter wood, not necessarily balsa, but it might be layers of uh, similar lightweight woods that are, you know, that are laminated together like like plywood. Um, But they're they're a lighter, fluffier, less dense uh, wood. Okay. And whereas aircraft ply is usually, it's usually birch, uh, which is a, a fairly stout, uh, dense wood um, that is in, in more layers. And then like with the, because I've heard of birch plywood before, mm-hmm. how is that with like voids in the center? Is that pretty much like a, almost like a furniture grade plywood that wouldn't yeah. have voids? Is that oh, yeah. aircraft yeah, ply it's is? It's very, very high quality. It's, it's, it's a... Uh, you know, it's when it's laminated together, it's done in a pressure mold, which I'm pretty sure all, I can't say all plywoods, but um, it's, yeah, there's usually no voids. Like if you sand okay. through it, you'll have a smooth edge okay. no matter how far into it you sand. That makes sense. Um, and then, then, like I said, there's usually, well, there's always more layers. So for instance, on eighth inch uh, thick plywood, um, light ply might have three layers. Mm-hmm. Aircraft ply will usually have five to seven layers of wood that have been laminated together. So it's very, very strong and, and very, like I said, resistant to crushing. Okay. Because it's made of a denser wood and there's more layers of them, so there's less room for them to be crushed, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then more glue holding it together. and you Exactly, know, yep. They're ran cross-grain, so there's yep. more strength that bias. way too. So yep. on it's the... called bias. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So they'll run the grain either 45 degrees or 90 degrees or some variation of that to each other in each layer. So mm-hmm. yeah, it provides torsional rigidity. Okay. Yeah. So, and then like I said, you know, bass and, and, uh, uh, birch and these other hardwoods we use mahogany sometimes even, um, you know, for, for things like landing gear rails and, 
back in the day, we used to make engine mounds out of them and things like that. Uh, spars, good place to use uh, basswood. Oh, is it really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why is that? Because uh, they're they're very stiff, uh, and bass is still for you know per board foot is still fairly light as far as hardwoods go. Um, so they make good spars. So like if like for instance on the duelist, I think the spars are quarter by three eighths balsa. Let's just say they're quarter by three eighths balsa. Okay. Um, a basswood spar. They are, by the way. Okay. A basswood spar can probably do the same amount of work, in quotes. Uh, same strength. Yeah, and about an eighth inch by a quarter inch. So you can use less of it to generate the same amount of strength. You said quarter by three eighths, and then you said eighth by quarter. Right. Is that much stronger? Oh yeah. Yeah, basswood is very very strong. Wow, I didn't realize there was that much difference in yeah. it. Like if you look at a lot of the kits out there that are, that have hardwood spars, you'll notice that they're very, very small in relation to the airplanes that are made, uh, wings specifically. Yeah, I have not noticed, so go well, ahead. <laughs> you, can get, you can get on Outer Zone and just look at plans. Okay. And look at the cross, you know, the cross sections of the ribs, and you'll, you'll see a trend that, you know, the wings that are built with hardwood spars, the spar notches in those ribs are much smaller than the spar notches for something that are, you know, built out of entirely, built entirely out of balsa. Oh. So, Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of good places to use the hardwood, like bass, basswood. All right, cool. So anything else on uh, on types of wood? No, I think that I think that about covers it. I mean, if any of our listeners have input, they're welcome to contact us, you know, and, and tell me how wrong I am about how I grade <laughs> balsa. But <laughs> All right. Well let's move on to some uh, some listener messages. Oh, okay. I'll let you take Yeah, so that. we got a couple here. Um, yeah, so the first one is from Liam. Uh, he writes to us, he says, Hi, Ron. Hi, Tom. I'm hoping to get into nitrous eventually. Uh, right now, I am only on small balsa wood electrics and was wondering if you had any insight on how I can affordably get into the nitro part of the hobby. Currently, I have a Super Tiger 7 that was given to me by a buddy and a fuel tank. That's it. Thanks, Liam. Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. So nitro is not going to be a cheap way to get into the hobby. I mean, I don't think. Not relatively speaking, no. Like compared to electrics. I mean, it's cheaper than it used to be. It but, is, but, but compared yeah. to electrics, you're not going to be able to get into it for very cheap. So it depends on what your budget is. Exactly. Um, it's going to be more expensive because, I mean, last time I bought fuel was almost 30 bucks a gallon. Right. And you can go through that pretty quickly if you fly a lot. If you fly a lot, yeah. Um, your motors uh, or your engines are going to be fairly expensive too. Or if you do a lot of tuning that is unsuccessful, you will also go through a lot of fuel. <laughs> a lot of fuel that way. We have done <laughs> that too. Um, I would say, like personally, I'd say check eBay, check uh, even like a local club if you're close to a local club and just yeah, see that what was, they have. That was going to be my recommendation was if, if you've got a, a club uh, nearby, uh, Liam, that you can go to uh, when, when folks are out there flying and, and you can talk to some of these club members, um, I know how it is in our club. I mean, most of us have lots of airplanes, and if somebody new to the hobby came in looking for, you know, looking to get into it, usually um, we have airplanes to spare. So usually, you know, there's a good chance that one of those club members might have a deal for you if if that's something you're you're serious about. But and I would recommend uh, doing that anyway because a nitro airplane you're going to want to fly at a club field. Um, especially a nitro airplane. Yeah, that's a good point because if you're if you're just getting into it and you're not sure how to tune them, you're not sure any of that. Nitro ones are a lot more dangerous than they can electric. Be. Absolutely. Well, just in general, they are. Yes. To me, because you don't tune electric, well, so you don't. True. You're not going to be by the propeller. Yeah. You don't start an electric, so <laughs> you're not going to be by the propeller. Yeah. Um, usually with an electric, the whole time you have a battery plugged in, you're going to stand behind it. By design, you have to get in front of a nitro airplane. Um, so getting into it cheap is probably going to be difficult. Real, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it. it. depends what your what your definition of cheap is. Right. Um, and I guess if you already have the motor, I, I don't know engines. If yeah, you already I, have... a Super Tiger 7, I, I'm assuming he's maybe he's talking about a, a an 07, maybe a .7, or maybe a 75. I'm not, I'm not sure what engine he's talking about specifically. Um, but if it's a small, like an 07, like a .07, um, that's going to severely limit uh, the size of airplane he's he's going to be able to fly. Now, if that's a Super Tiger 75, that's a yeah, that's like a, a .7. Yeah, that's a that's a much bigger animal and 
capable of flying a bigger airplane and therefore more yeah. potentially more dangerous. Like a telemaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, our telemaster flew with a 75. It did, barely. Um, <laughs> but anyway, no, so go to your field, you know, your local yeah. field if you have one available. If not, uh, I know you do a lot of stuff on like RC. RC Universe. Yeah, Universe. I, I, uh, I, I like that place. It's a, it's a, um, a forum of like-minded individuals uh, sharing a passion for the hobby. Uh, there's lots of information there. There's lots of good information there. There's some bad information there. Um, but if you read enough of it, you can usually pick out the good from the bad. Yeah. Um, and they have a classified section there too, where you can buy, sell, you know, so there's a chance you could find a deal uh, getting into the nitro hobby there as well. Another thing, if they actually start having them again, I know COVID has, has prevented a lot of them. We used to like going to swap meets swap a lot. Meets, yeah. Swap meets are, are awesome. A great place to find um, deals like that. So yeah, if, if, if it gets to the point where you have something around you that has a, a swap meet come up yeah. or, or something like that, it's worth a drive. Yeah. And your local club members will know where the swap meets are. Yeah. So and you can another usually... Another good reason to go to the field. And I mean, what more of a reason do you need to go to the field than to watch airplanes flying? I mean... <laughs> Very really. true. And that's always I mean, what, the best place. Yeah. What better way to stir up your your inner pilot than to go watch other guys fly their airplanes and girls? Yeah. Right? Awesome. I mean, that's that would be my recommendation, Liam, uh, and Ron's uh, recommendation as well. Uh, maybe go to a club field, check out eBay, get on RC Universe, look at the classifieds. Uh, and start there and do a lot of reading. And just realize if, if you find a, a deal that seems too good to be true, it might very well be. Just you have to watch what you get to. That that's a good point. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are that are unscrupulous that will take advantage of uh, of somebody that doesn't know. So arm yourself with knowledge. Which once again, a good reason to go to the field and, exactly. and try and talk to somebody if they're local. All right. So next we have Matt. Uh, he says Love your podcast. Uh, you need to pick it up, though, because i am only got two left. So we need to, I guess, do some more recording. <laughs> okay. Uh, he said, We're I'm, trying. We're we trying. Are. It's true. He says, uh, I'm just uh, getting back into the RC airplanes. Uh, I started a model hobby in the early 70s and progressed from rubber free flight to uh, powered free flight to control line and finally to RC at the end of the 80s. Uh, but life changes took me out of the game in the mid to late 90s. I understand completely. It happens. Mm -hmm. um, he says, what information do I need to have on my model label? Uh, I know name, contact info is email okay and AMA number, but what's the deal with the FAA number? It's a good uh, question. It is a good question. Is the FAA number required? It seems I have seen that the feds want you to get one but it is not mandatory. Uh, and also, is that one number per pilot or one number per plane? Ah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll address the AMA portion of that. Okay. Um, so AMA, you looked it up for me. Safety rule number 2F says that your name and address or your AMA number uh, has to be located somewhere on the airplane. And specifically, they said in the airplane, and then it can also be affixed on the outside of the airplane. Uh, and it says, it goes on further to say that it's not required for indoor flying. Right. So, so that means... Yeah, your name and address or your AMA number somewhere on the airplane. That's accessible. Right. So you yeah, wouldn't put it... Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't go on the inside of a cowl or something like that. It would have to be right. something fairly yeah. easy to Upon get to. Upon normal disassembly of the airplane, someplace where you can readily see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's the aim. That's as long as you're a member of the AMA and that is their, one of their stipulations and you should be a member of the AMA. Yeah, you should. And when you do that, obviously you get a number yep. and that's your AMA number and that's the one that you kind of go by uh, for renewals, for all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. If you forget your account number, you know, yeah. which I, or your, uh, your login information, which I've done, yeah, um, that's, that's how they find you. Um, so for the FAA stuff, yeah. that's, that's the newer uh, kind of regulation. Right. When that came out, what was that? Probably four years ago now, it was maybe? about four years, I think, yeah. Um, I signed up for that. It was $5, and you get your own FAA number. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's a couple different ways you can do it. So if you're going to make money with it, I think that's under Part 107. Yep. Uh, and if I remember right with that, that is one number per uh, flying vehicle. 
Whereas if it's the under the recreational pilot exemption, uh, exemption, exemption, thank you, something like that. Yeah. If it's under that, then it's it's five dollars for three years, and that is that number is good for all of your unmanned aerial or aerial vehicles. Mm-hmm. So any airplane you have uh, under fifty five pounds, I think, is once. I mean, that's even even with uh, AMA. Once you get into the fifty five pound limit. Mm-hmm. There's whole other rules, and I don't know anything about those. I don't either. Because um, I think the yak's like 42 pounds or 45 pounds, something like that. So it's well under the 55-pound the weight limit. Um, so with that, you have to, to sign up for it. Like I said, the, the number is good for three years. Um, however, I don't know what's, what the actual deal is with it because mine was automatically renewed without paying for it. I mean, like they extended it. I don't know if they're waiting to find out whatever these new rules are and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I technically still have the the number and all that's registered to me. Um, but I, I don't really know what the point of it is. You know, I, I think it's yeah. just another layer. Like I have yet to see somebody from the FAA or the police or anybody show up to the field and ask me for my FAA UAS number ever. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> so... Um, I do have um, it on on some of my yeah, airplanes, right, uh, or drones. Uh, I don't really do it a lot on airplanes because, I mean, maybe I should, but yeah. I don't. Uh, if anything goes down, I'm going to go find it. Right. So it's and where I fly that kind of stuff is not anywhere near houses to where I have to worry about hitting it or doing anything like that. Right. Um, and for that one, that number is just supposed to go on the outside of the airplane to where it's easily identifiable. Yeah. And and. I'm kind of bad about putting the even my AMA number on my airplanes. <laughs> I, like I think I have maybe two of my airplanes with the AMA number, my AMA number, on it. Yeah. Um, it's just something I don't think about, and I should. Um, and you know, uh, his email was uh, a good reminder to to do that. You know, maybe make a couple of decals and stick them on some of my airplanes, at least on the inside, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, your AMA number at a minimum uh, should be on or in the airplane somewhere visible. Yeah. And truth be told, I don't do that on everything either. <laughs> and by everything, I mean... I don't think we are. Anything. I don't think we are the exceptions. I think we are the the majority in, in that. I, I think a lot of folks don't do that. I agree. And I also think, though, however, that the, the people that are going to get in trouble are the ones that aren't going to be doing that anyway. Right. Exactly. And... Don't want to get into it, but you know the this whole FAA business. It's like, it, I mean, there's so many debates that go this direction. Um, you know, you're you're not hurting the people who want to do it maliciously. You're hurting the people who want to do it the right for way, recreation in the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I understand the the problems that they're having. Absolutely, I do too. But this, I don't think, is the right way to go about it. But anyway, I don't want to get onto that. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. What else you got? Okay, I think I got one more here. Uh, This email comes to us from Jeff. Uh, Forgive me, it's a long one. I'm going to go ahead and read it here. Uh, He says, uh, he starts by saying, I think I have the RCPL virus and may be in need of a vaccine. I'm going to pause there. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to say, I've never seen our logo abbreviated like that, Yeah, uh, RCPL. So I have to admit, it took me a minute or two to figure out what the heck he was talking about. RCPL, RC Plane Lab. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, it, when I first saw the email, I thought it was junk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have the vaccine or I have this virus. Yeah, I think was the subject line. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is clever. Gotta... But in today's today's world. <laughs> yeah. I thought of something different. Yeah, yes. I did too. Uh, but anyway, he says, uh, I found the podcast and a few others and have blown through your first nine episodes just last night at work. Uh, I am new to this by only a few months. I've been building some simple flight test foamies and flying them along with my ready-to-fly AeroScout trainer. Hold on. First off, welcome to the hobby. That's right. You're yep. going to uh, you're gonna have a lot of fun with oh, it. Oh, man. Yep. Uh, looks like you're starting uh, the right way, too, starting small and then mm-hmm. uh, getting the fever, so to speak. <laughs> uh, so the, the episode on batteries is the best one I have heard so far from anyone. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, Ron appreciates that. I am all electric right now. Ron also appreciates that. Very much. Uh, not saying I would uh, not try fuel someday, but that is uh, that is for me for now. Uh, I'm still a little fuzzy on how to match up what battery I need with what ESC receiver and servos based on all the power draw variables. 
So I have just stuck with recommended kits for specific walkthroughs uh, I have followed. Uh, you guys have been great with your information and stories, and I can't wait to consume the next 20 plus episodes to catch up. Uh, we're happy to have you. Uh, mm -hmm. Speaking of stories, he says, I was so shocked to hear you talk about building a Ford Trimotor. I live in the self-proclaimed capital, airplane capital of the world, and yet there are currently exactly zero air shows in the region. Sure, we have our museums and such, but it's not the same. Uh, the sights and sounds can never be replaced by the videos or commercial aviation flying hundreds of feet overhead. Uh, I had forgotten all about them until my first visit to EAA Air Venture in 2015. That's Oshkosh. For mm -hmm. Not familiar. Which, by the way, is not very far from us. We should no, go one year. Uh, we are going to go. Okay. Uh, I never really saved up enough pennies to ride in one, but I love watching it take off time after time. He's talking about the trimotor. By the uh, way, I did get to ride in one, and it's awesome. Yeah. Worth worth the wait and the... Worth the wait, worth and, the, the, the price of admission. Yeah. Uh, so he says, fast forward to March of 2020, and I found myself with time and money to get into the uh, and get get into hobby aeronautics. Um, I built my first few flight test foamies from kits and plans. I don't have access to a large format printer. Seems like every RC podcaster does for some reason. That's funny. Uh, so I had to painstakingly tape each eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper together to cut out the pieces for my scratch built planes. I have even started to make design changes to fit my needs. That is awesome. And that's what this hobby is all about. Yep. Um, this brings me back to the trimotor story. I started to dream of what I wanted to build someday. I didn't want it to be the same old thing. Insert many of Tom's planes here. Uh -huh. <laughs> or the sleek modern stuff that everyone seems to be imitating these days. Then it hit me. The Ford trimotor would be the one someday. Uh, now, I don't know the first thing about how to get started, how to model it, how to scale it. Uh, what to make it out of, how to print a plan. So I just put it on my someday list. That's why I was stunned when I heard Ron talking about it <laughs> so much that I had to turn off the podcast, rewind it, and make sure I heard him right. Uh, I was so intrigued to have, I'm sorry, I am so intrigued, I have to just keep listening, hoping to hear the next step in this process and to learn something along the way. Now it sounds like your scale is way more than I had imagined, but I wish I could join you along the way. I guess I kind of will when I hear about it secondhand on the podcast. Keep up the good uh, way. I think he means work. Uh, and don't forget to update us on how it's going. Jeff, he says, P.S. Sorry, Tom, just ribbing you there. I totally respect what you can build, fly, and teach me. Well, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for uh, writing to us. Appreciate that. So I will I will say the update on the trimotor, <laughs> I think we've talked about before, is that we have kind of pushed that off. Um, it's still something that we definitely want to do. Absolutely. But now that... Uh, now that Thomas kind of pushed us to do the duelist, since that was, oh, you kind of, it might have been my idea, but I think it was. It I'm was giving Ron a stern look. A very right stern now. look. So I'm trying to, to, <laughs> to justify what I'm saying. I guess I sort of did. You did. I get Because um, I was really excited about the idea of having another duelist. Right. And so I, I think that's the, the plan that we're doing now is the duelist. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple other ones in mind, in the back of our mind, that we're talking about working on before uh, we moved to the trimotor. But we do talk about the trimotor from time to time. And that will happen. It, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's uh, definitely going to I think that's going to be something we're probably going to build one of one. together, right? Yeah. I think. I don't want uh, two of those. And we're, we're, we're actually um, uh, tossing around the idea of going with three, uh, four strokes on it. Uh, yeah. Uh, which I think would just sound, sound amazing. Awesome. Uh, I wish I could afford to do three uh, radial oh four strokes. Yeah. But even... Nope. Yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. That would be really, really really cool but um this, we'd have to increase scale and complexity and that's fine cost <laughs> oh that's okay well. yeah no so i i do think we want to try and stick with with three four strokes on that one and i'm not going to fight that i don't want that to be electric yeah well i appreciate i mean that. Um, absolutely not i mean you, you've you've ridden in the in the full size one mm -hmm. um and there's a certain i don't know magic charisma Sure. Maybe not charisma, but there's a there's a certain ambiance that surrounds that airplane, and you cannot you cannot even come close to um, uh, replicating that with electric motors. No, Sorry, absolutely not. Just can't. No, I, I get it, and I I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. So, um, flying... yeah, Jeff, we 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 do talk about the tri motor from from time to time in our discussions with what uh, what our future plans are, and it's it's definitely something we are going to do. I have uh, the plans printed already. Yeah. 
So, so onto your large format printer. My large format printer <laughs> that all of us podcasters have, apparently. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I think I know who he's talking about. He's talking about our friends over at the Aviation oh, okay. RC Noob podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah. I've, I've talked to them several times, and they also have access to a, a large format Beautiful. printer. Yep. So that's funny. That's good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jeff, we, we're, definitely, uh, we're definitely all in on that project. Um, so stay tuned. We, we will eventually, I promise, eventually get to it. Yeah, stay tuned and please be patient. Yeah. We we have other things going on in life too, yeah. and that that right. is unfortunate. Well, now you're working again. <laughs> Back so to work, that. so that kills a lot of time. But anyway, <laughs> unfortunately, it happens. Fortunately, unfortunately, right? Whatever. Yeah, it's not so, good. It's not bad. Right. So that uh, that does it for the for the emails that I that I wanted to take care of tonight. Do you okay. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. So. Oh, you know what that means. It's time for RC Plane Labs Tool of the Week. So for today's Tool of the Week, we actually could not come to a consensus <laughs> on uh, a consensus on what we wanted to uh, to use. True. Uh, so Tom and I each have our own Tool of the right. Week this week because he didn't like my pick. Well, technically, these were both your picks. Well, okay, but you didn't like the one that I was more excited about. <laughs> True. So my tool of the week is the tool magnetizer and demagnetizer. Um, it was funny because my my kid was working on, uh, he was taking, a, I don't even remember what he was taking apart. He was taking some electronic thing apart, trying to figure out how it works or how to fix it or something. And he, he was sitting there and he's like, I don't like that this screwdriver isn't magnetized to where I can just pick these screws up when they come out. He was losing them down inside of the stuff he was taking apart. And I was like, well, hold on. So I ran down here and in mm-hmm. my tool kit for RC airplanes, uh, RC airplane stuff and pulled out my magnetizer demagnetizer and oh my gosh. So I went up and rocked and, his world. No, my oh. wife, she was oh. all over that. She was just yeah. like, I've never seen anything like that before. How does <laughs> that work? I'm like, it's magic. I it's mean, magic. That's all you have to know. Yeah. I was like, look, and I ran it through there, magnetized. Ran it through the other one, demagnetized. I was like, look what you can do. And she, I mean, she, her mind was blown. Really? So, okay. <laughs> so that also is something that she wants to order and have in her little kit of oh, tools. Okay. Because she needs one now. Sure. But uh, along no. Along with her pin vise. Along with her pin vise. And she does use her that a lot. mini drill, I think is what she called it. <laughs> Yes. Uh, she, she'll get mad at me for saying this, but she has a, a wonderful, wonderful way of drilling things, like with my actual drill and with her pin vise drill that uh, are wet, no. and then she gets water down in them. So her pin vise actually needs to be replaced, and the chuck on my drill needs to be replaced <laughs> because they have gotten rusted and they don't work well, nearly as well you know, as they did before. But uh, that's funny. Um, hey, at least she uses tools. She does. Right? She's very tool centric. Yes. Which my wife as well. Proud she, of her. Yep. She does a great job. So, so describe this this apparatus you're talking about. So it's some a of our magnet. listeners may not know what it looks like. It's a magnet, mm-hmm. and it has a couple holes in it. One hole you run your tool through, so like your screwdriver, or you can even do like the end of uh, needle nose pliers. Oh, Put it through there, okay. and then you just draw it out slowly. And then it magnetizes the tip of what you're working with. And you can go pick up screws and do whatever you need to do with it. If you're working on something where you don't want it magnetized, because sometimes you don't necessarily need right. it magnetized, you run it through this other little uh, area on the tool, and it demagnify- or demagnetizes a tip. I'll be darned. Works great. So where can somebody buy such a tool? Uh, we will have a link on the website. Actually, nice. I don't think we've... I put that up, and I don't think we've told anybody about that yet. So if you go to our website, once again at the top, the little clicky thingies that are up there, one of them uh, will say Tool of the Week, and then weekly for our episodes, we will have it listed on there with links to buy them on, like, Amazon and that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. So, yeah. And if you do buy them through the links, I'll be honest with you, we do make a little bit of money off of it. Uh, Not much, and it doesn't cost you anything extra, but that's just how it's set up. Nice. Helps uh, support the cause. It sure does. Yep. So my tool of the week mm-hmm. um, is the is actually your first suggestion for the tool of the week. So I really have no skin in the tool of the week this week, but that's okay because I use this tool frequently <laughs> as well. Um, and it's the servo checker. Yeah. Servo checker, mm-hmm. not checker. 
Um, it's a handy dandy tool. You hook up a receiver battery to it and you hook up servos to it and you can manually um, operate your servo uh, without turning your radio on. Uh, you can use it to center servos. You can use it to run servos to their limits, uh, to check for gear train issues, things like that, to make sure the servo's good. Um, handy tool to have in your box. It's just a little electronic gadget about yay big. I'm holding up my fingers. It's about a, you know, an inch and a half by two inch little square plastic device that uh, yeah has all the little electronic wizard wizardry stuff inside. <laughs> that uh, the one I have is actually made by High Tech. Um, and it it's a little fancier than than most um because it will uh, it has it's it's like for their programmable servos um, oh is that what cuz i know we talked about it before and you said it had a digital readout on it and we couldn't yeah. figure out what that was for right so um, so yeah it'll it'll run through a program it'll it'll test the servo for you like i plug the servo in and i hit the button and depending on which you know um, profile the knob is set to when i hit the button i think that's how it works It'll run the servo through its range of motion, and then it'll like give you a report back. Hey, the servo's good. Hey, the servo's no good. Oh wow! Um, yeah, pretty pretty cool little device. And it'll, if you know, depending on the profile you have it on, you set the button, and it'll move the servo to its exact center. Yeah, I which like is that. Handy. Very handy um, when you're setting. Uh, a plane. And even like if you think about it, if you got a, like even before, so like it's great for testing servos before you put them in the airplane, but it's also great for testing servos when they're in the airplane and they're hooked up to the uh, control surfaces because you can then run the servo through its range of motion hooked up to the control surfaces to make sure you don't have any binding or anything like that before you actually hook it up to your receiver and stuff and maybe cause a power failure because you're drawing too much current or whatever. Well, and what's very nice about them when you're setting an airplane up is, you know, you don't have to have your receiver hooked up and bound to the airplane, bound right. to your receiver or to your transmitter. You don't have to have all that turned on. Right. With this, you can simply set it to center. Right. And then it will put and hold that mm -hmm. servo directly in the center. So then you know when you're setting up your control surfaces, that's where that servo that's is going to be yep. at zero. Yep. Not technically zero, but you know what I mean. Right. Um, and then yeah, you can do your control or your your control throws with that little knob on there too, and you don't ever have to have it plugged into your actual receiver. Yep. And then when you plug it into the receiver, it's all set up right. It's, it's ready to go. It's perfect. Yep. All you got to do then is set up your rates or your yeah expo or whatever you know whatever you're going to use in your transfer. But you'll know ahead of time that um, everything is good to go in the airplane. So that's my tool of the week. I use it uh, frequently. Everybody should have one in their box. I agree. So that all does right. it for me. Nothing else? That's it. That's all I well, got. Well, everybody, thanks for uh, listening to us ramble today. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions or want to reach out to us, like I said, uh, first off, go to the website and fill out the survey. Uh, otherwise, you can just go and, and email ron at rcplanelab.com or... Tom at rcplanelab.com. Beautiful. Uh, until next time, good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landing